0: South. If it's done right, it's done on the porch. Welcome to the Philosophy and Theology porch. Here we are back for another episode. Today, what I have in mind, however, is slightly different. We're going to fall off onto a side topic, Um, and I don't want to become overly political or any of that sort of jazz, and as as it relates to this particular podcast uh, and the overall theme of this podcast. But if there are uh, certain philosophical underpinnings as it pertains to certain political positions, uh, certain persuasions, which is, of course, going to happen, then, of course, I don't see that as being out of bounds um, for some sort of philosophical diatribe. I was going to say discussion, but seeing as how you are there and I'm here and There's a great gulf fixed in between us that you cannot cross and I cannot cross. Uh, This will have to be a monologue in that sense, unfortunately. However, having said that, um, I was thinking about how this relates to what we spoke on in our last podcast about Socrates and his reaction to uh, sophistry or the sophists, um, and how this part of his reaction was. Simply to seriously question uh, their denial of objective standards of uh, of, of, of categories of, of objective categories of truth so on and so on and uh, um, part of his again, as we discussed last episode was just his method his his tactic, maybe as Coco would say uh, his method of of of, uh, of being an inquisitor uh, as he challenged their, their arguments. And so, having said that, if we were to play the role of Socrates in some sense, if we were to put ourselves in the position of, of, of asking these questions, specifically as it pertains to, say, a sophist arguing um, that there are no objective standards, uh, there is no objective uh, category of truth, that is, objective truth doesn't exist. And again, we're, we're, we're generalizing here some of these sophist-type positions. But at the same time, these are not positions uh, that people uh, don't hold to now. They do. Um, and of course, they if we were to trace them back, they do have their roots in, in the sophists, um, generally speaking. Now... Part of what we want to do here is we want to challenge the presuppositions of some of these of some of these uh, ideas or these ideologies, and not to be confused with presuppositionalism, that is a particular apologetic method that I do not hold to and do not think holds well um, in regard to it being a system. But philosophy has always challenged presuppositions. this is not. Uh, this is not monopolized By some particular methodology As an apologetic Philosophy just as a discipline Has always gone after presuppositions Gone after what people have taken for granted Challenged assumptions uh, Jiminy frickin' cricket I mean this is what we see Socrates doing In uh, the works that we have that we With uh, the text that we can read That record some of his dialogues Anyway Having said that I've noticed that there is often this this tension between a group. Now we're going on to the subject that we that we that I had planned on going to after my however long that rant was, that introductory rant. So I've I've noticed this this tension between a or among a group that has consistently wanted to label themselves progressive. So I've often pondered an apparent absurdity. And that is almost always held in tension within a certain group, again, within society. The belief that morality is subjective and relative. And like I said earlier, simultaneously claiming the label of liberal progressive. Now, of course, the tension is revealed in the question. And again, this is where we're playing this, the, the Socrates here. We're, we're playing with this Socratic method here. Suppose that we're speaking to one of these individuals and we reveal the tension in this question. If one believes that morality is subjective to each individual and there exists no truly objective or absolute moral truths, then what is the grounding for labeling oneself a progressive which is almost always in reference to views concerning social morality and or positions? Now, why should this question be considered a problem? Well, because the very meaning of progression, think about this, the very meaning of progression implies that one is actually moving towards an objective standard that society is progressing towards, that it's going to, an objective standard by which society can measure its progress. Again, think about this, it's a, there's a, it presupposes or it assumes an objective standard by which society can measure its progress to a morally superior position from which it has held or is currently holding. Does that make sense? To say that you're progressing implies, it just assumes that you're moving from an inferior position, usually by some, some societal moral position, to a better Position. Now, how is this logically possible for those that hold or label themselves as progressives, I should say, when many of the same individuals have simultaneously, here's the key, when many of the same individuals have simultaneously argued that no such objective standard exists and that morality is determined. By each, by uh, excuse me, each individual's own subjective notion of right and, and wrong, and of course this is across the board. You could blow this up into, well, the society says or culture says. That's really irrelevant for this point here. Now, if no such objective standard exists, then there is literally nothing for liberal progressive to progress towards let me say that again if no such objective standard exists then there is literally nothing for liberal progressives to progress towards one would only be justified in saying that we are moving this way or we're not moving that way or we're going in this direction but certainly one's not justified in claiming that one is truly Progressing by any sort of objective or absolute point. To say that one is a progressive, one must hold that there is an objective standard that society may truly progress towards or progress towards. But again, if morality is relative, (laughs) then it just seems there is no objective standard. It seems that in order for one to be a consistent liberal progressive, one must either adopt the existence of an objective standard of moral positions, again, saying this ad nauseum, that may be progressed towards or deny that one is actually a progressive. That seems to be the position that you're in, if you're going to hold hold the, the, uh, the label as a, as a liberal progressive. Again, that position seems to be, it seems that in order for for one to be a consistent liberal progressive, one must either adopt the existence of an objective standard of moral positions that may be progressed towards or deny that one is actually a progressive as there is not truly such a thing in the absence of a standard. Now, I guess you could just simply claim that you are a liberal mover or some such term. That that just seems to be the problem here. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that uh, this particular insight is is, uh, is is locked up within me, my own mind. For instance, I had a friend, uh, philosopher Mark Linville, that pointed out that uh, he's a Chesterton fan, a G.K. Chesterton fan, as as well as I am. And he points out, "Hey, look, yeah, Chesterton made this same point, of course, in the late 1800s. He said this. This is what Chesterton Chesterton said, G.K. Chesterton." Uh, I think it's from his book, Orthodoxy. It's this, quote, This, therefore, is our first requirement about the ideal towards which progress is directed. It must be fixed. And then he uses the name here, Whistler. Whistler used to make many rapid studies of a sitter. It did not matter if he tore up 20 portraits. But it would matter if he looked up 20 times and each time saw a new person sitting placidly for his portrait. So it does not matter, comparatively speaking, how often humanity fails to imitate its ideal. For then, all its old failures are fruitful. But it does frightfully matter how often humanity changes its ideal. For then, all its old failures are fruitless. The question, therefore, becomes this. How can we keep the artist discontented with his pictures, while preventing him from being vitally disconnected with his art? How can we make a man always dissatisfied with his work, yet always satisfied with working? How can we make sure that the portrait painter will throw the portrait out of a window instead of taking the natural and more human course of throwing the person sitting for the portrait out of the window? Now, if if memory recalls, and I could be wrong here, it, it seems like that that's... The context of that is also where Chesterton says something like, in order for man to change, he must change according to the ideal. Uh, but instead, we as humans always find ourselves just trying to change the ideal. Uh, anyway, it's one of my favorite passages. Now, this sort of idea <clears throat> about there being this some sort of standard and how the standard is usually argued against by the very people that want to hold to or uh again quote unquote label themselves as as liberal progressives in some sort. It seems like there's always this raging inconsistency or this 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 super tight tension between what they want to label themselves and uh the, the direction of the position that they're actually trying to hold. So, for instance, or in parallel fashion, this is why I believe it ought to be argued, that it makes no sense for an environmentalist that simultaneously holds to materialistic, a materialistic version of Darwinism. That is to say, to argue what is and isn't natural for human beings to do in the environment. So, for instance, if a beaver wanders onto the property of a farmer, dams up his creek, resulting in the devastation of his fields and his crops then the beaver has done nothing wrong as it is simply doing what it's evolved to do, right? So in like fashion, under materialistic Darwinism, say an atheistic account of Darwinism, if man wanders over into the rainforest and constructs smokestacks that reach into the clouds resulting in the devastation of that rainforest, then the man as a species, has done nothing wrong, is they're just simply doing what they've evolved to do. Now, of course, in contrast, if there were something like a a creator that composed some sort of objective created order, all caps, that should not be violated, and when I say all caps, I mean as in, I'm trying to imply that there's some sort of standard there, that some creator has made, that this is the way the objective created order, the way things ought to be, and it shouldn't be violated, and even perhaps that man should be a steward over, in some sense. It seems that that would be the only true grounding for something like a robust environmentalism, a robust, uh, healthy way to look at the environment in regards to caring for it. Um, because again, if we're just if we're just doing what we've evolved to do which is, it seems to be usually the the the, the, uh, the worldview or the philosophical assumption that most people hold to that are also, at the same time, raging environmentalists. That they deny objective standards, they deny some sort of creator, they deny some sort of transcendent uh, being outside of time and space that has made the earth as it is. Usually they hold and embrace and radically embrace some sort of materialistic, physicalistic, uh, atheistic version of, of Darwinism revolution. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying anything wrong in principle with evolution. I'm just saying uh, that may very well be the case. I'm just talking about some sort of atheistic version or materialistic or physicalistic type uh, version of, of, uh, of Darwinism. If they radically hold to something like that, but then at the same time rage against what man does against the environment Well, it just seems like they lose their metaphysical ground, so to speak, for their argument to get off the ground. Again, men, animals, we're just doing what we've evolved to do. Now, you may not like that, what we've evolved to do. Sure, of course. In fact, I hope you don't like that, that people build smokestacks in the middle of the rainforest or whatever the case may be, throwing Budweiser cans into their neighbor's yard. But the point is, it seems like you can only say the environment ought to be some certain way if, again, there's some objective standard by which you're judging that. By which, say, a creator has made the environment originally in its pristine state that it was not intended to depart from. And you could be a steward over that particular uh, creation. And you try to get back to or hold to or, or upkeep this better state, this intended state. Of an environment. Just like, just like, it seems like there must be some sort of standard if you want to be a liberal progressive and go towards that standard in moral positions, societal positions. So, I even have uh, something marked uh, down here from a uh, conversation that I had with uh, my friend Mark Linville. And this was just an informal conversation, but somehow or, or other I ran across it again and have, have it where it was marked here. And it just was simply, this is what Mark says, and I hope that it's okay that I, uh, that I quote, him, quote him here. He says, I don't know how one can get an environmental ethic up and running in the first place without first being able to define what constitutes harm to the environment. For instance, we should be able to say that the reason it is wrong to clear-cut an old growth forest, because this is to cause environmental damage, and all else equal, we ought not cause such damage, but glaciation radically transformed the northern half of this continent, speaking of the North American continent, and no doubt wiped out existing local ecosystems, eventually replacing them with new species and interactions. Is the current natural state better? or worse than it was before the ice advanced and receded. Now, we might be able to answer that if better and worse understood, say, anthro, uh, in an anthropomorphic sense, or anthropocentrically, better or worse for us, or theocentrically, i.e. compared to divine intents and purposes. Now, but the hardcore environmentalist typically reject such frames of reference, deep ecologists, quote-unquote, wish to have a geocentric moral foundation, we have direct duties to the earth itself. But given the fact that the earth itself may undergo such radical transformations, it's hard to see where to find grounds. Again, he's talking about metaphysical grounds here for saying that one natural state is any better or worse than another. Now, we see why... These philosophical underpinnings, these philosophical assumptions play heavily into all aspects of life, how they, they run across uh, the board, so to speak, or, or let's put it this way. They sneak out of the philosophy classroom, They maybe they go up under the door, they fall out of the student's backpack, and they infiltrate society, they, they permeate the way we think about things, the, the things we, we hold to. In fact, it seems like we're just geared, it seems like we're just hardwired to think this way about whatever the topic may be. So, drawing this thing, this little side topic to a close, about Socrates and how he might apply some sort of method um, or some sort of dialectic, some sort of question, some sort of uh, question and answer session as it pertains to some of these these, uh, stances that are held by people in our society that may closely resemble a sophist position. Again, apologies to anyone that is being overgeneralized here. But that's just how I see it. This is how it works. It seems like that we're applying or, or trying to be faithful to what Socrates might do in such, a, such an instance. So again, what does that mean? It just means that, wait a minute, you... Say we're Socrates here, and we're in front of our our, our our friend across the room at the party for Athens, you know, 2016. And uh, we're Socrates here, and we just say, hey, look, don't you label yourself a progressive? What do you mean by that? Or, or what is the word, what does the word progress mean? And then Socrates draws out the example, wait a minute. Was I not at your political rally or your university classroom where you also argued that societal ethics and societal moral positions were just determined by just that society and or even possibly individuals at best? Well, doesn't this or or does this undermine your position that, that that your ideas are progressing towards any sort of Objective standard that exists in reality or just something that you yourself like, could you clear that up for me? Could you see or could you try to reconcile those two positions so maybe something like that then let's say he swaps over he swaggers over or he limps over here he jogs over or maybe he falls through whatever over to another person who labels themselves some sort of environmentalist but also holds to just a, a rabid or a strong Materialistic, physicalistic version of say materi- of, of evolution, but then also labels themselves an environmentalist that it, in that we're breaking some uh, behavior that we ought not to break in regards to the behavior, to uh, to the environment itself, as if we have some sort of obligation. Now, there's a lot to chew on there in that little side topic, and unfortunately, this will probably use up more space than I can afford so if any are interested in sponsoring this podcast for I think what $14 a month uh, to uh, save space or to in order to keep any of the podcasts from being deleted then obviously you're free to do that hit me up I would be much obliged to you so with that said until next time get off the porch have a good day